back everyone to What the Fertility. Today we have with us Caroline, who is 21 weeks pregnant with her rainbow baby. So today Caroline will be discussing the challenges that come with pregnancy after loss, as well as her journey through IVF. Welcome Caroline. Hi, hey guys. Hi, Hi. we're so excited to have you on. I'm so excited to be here and I'm sorry if you hear my dogs barking in the background. Um, I had to bring them inside. We're having a little storm here, so. <laughs> It won't be the first time. I think the last episode, my cat meowed like the whole 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. So you're, are you 21? Or I'm 20, I'm 21 weeks today. Yeah. It's oh kind of surreal to actually say that. Cause I don't really, you never really feel like that. Um, I mean, I guess I'm getting bigger and, um, I can feel, feel her move a little bit, but you okay. still don't actually feel pregnant when you've kind of gone through all of this stuff yeah i'll be 24 on monday and same thing like it's just which is like the big like viability week. oh yeah all the it's milestones just weird to even say it and like you said like you're now showing so it just i think when you come from loss or even just from infertility it, it just never seems real right and you kind of never even every milestone you hit you still think about the next one and the oh, next for sure. next one. It honestly um, wasn't until I came home from the hospital with Ben that I was like, oh, this is real. Like he's not going to play. <laughs> like this is happening. So I told yeah, him. Yeah, Amanda has to keep reminding me of that because I'll be like, so when did you? And she's like, no, you don't. You just like you have the baby. And not to like not to just like discourage anyone, but like that's the reality of like after a loss, like through pregnancy, you're gonna always be scared because it's always like, what if this happens? What if this happens? And so like Right. I'm gonna be I kind of with you. just wrap myself in, in bubble wrap and then oh, just for sit sure. out for nine months and not go anywhere and only eat, you know, fruits and vegetables right. and like Right, right. That's kind of what I wish I could do, which, yeah. um, you know, that's not the reality of it. So, well, Caroline, for our listeners, um, and really for Amanda and me too, because I met Caroline um, probably you had just started your IVF journey, I believe. Yeah. So I guess that was probably last summer, um, yeah. August, July or August last year. Yeah. Yeah. So if you'll kind of start even before that, kind of, you know, your journey through even finding out that you were going to have to go through infertility, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Um, so our, I got married at 30 um, and I'm 33 now. I got married at 30 and my, my thought process then was, oh, we'll be married a year and then, you know, then we'll get pregnant and have a baby and life's so easy and perfect. Right. Um, so, um, Essentially, uh, in, in March of about 2020, we, um, I got off birth control and we started trying to have a baby. Um, and it was really obvious pretty quickly that my body was not doing what it was supposed to be doing. Um, because as I never got periods back, I never got my, my period back. Um, and it's so interesting because I knew so little about women's reproductive health. Like, I don't know where we're supposed to learn all that stuff, but and it, it, so it just, I was like, this is weird. I'm not having a period. And then my OB was like, well, that means you're not ovulating. And I'm like, what, <laughs> you know, you just don't think you don't know those things. Um, yeah. We learned that in health or whatever, but I knew very little going into this exactly how complicated um, women's reproductive health is. Um, so I, uh, went and did the blood work, um, like a lot of women when they do, you know, the pre, um, pregnancy or trying to get pregnant blood work, everything looked fine. Um, everything, nothing like stuck out uh, as being, you know, 
having low AMH or having high insulin or having all of those things looked fine. Um, and so I started about five cycles or five months of letrozole, um, just trying to see if we could, you know, get me to ovulate. Um, and I really never did and it never worked. Um, and I think my, my OBGYN would have had me continue that route for a little bit longer, but I really just was like, no, I want to go see a specialist. I want to go see a specialist. So that, that's one thing advocating for yourself is so important. And I think I've mentioned to this, uh, to you before Kat, but we're both, you know, type eights. So I have no problem telling people what I want to do. And I was like, no, I, I want to go see a specialist. I don't feel like something's right. This just doesn't make sense. And so, um, I went to a reproductive endocrinologist. Um, we did, um, one round of timed intercourse and then two rounds of IUI. Um, and after IUI, I got pregnant. Um, and I was really excited and I was like, okay, yay, it's finally happened. You know, sure. my body needed to be kickstarted to sort of do what it needs to do. Um, and I ended up actually losing that baby. We had a mis miscarriage around 10 weeks. Um, so even then, you know, I, it was sad and, and I was very upset and, but I still had a lot of hope, I think, um, because one in four, you know, pregnancies end in miscarriage, um, which I learned. And so that actually kind of made me feel a little bit better. And the doctor assured me that, you know, chromosomal issues happen. And so the next time I get pregnant, that wouldn't be an issue because usually, you know, the second time is fine. Mm -hmm. So Caroline, so you actually, which is, I feel like so rare, you actually got pregnant through an IUI. I did. And, and I did not realize how low, you know, the success rate of IUIs are, you know, they have what 30% or something like that. Yeah, I think it's even like, yeah, you're, I think it is like 25, 30%, which is right. So, and, and it was my third, you know, we did time dinner course. It was my second IUI. And so, um, we had already decided if that didn't work to move on to IVF. So I was kind of thrilled, like, yes, don't, don't have to do IVF. We're going to save some money. This, you know, this worked, that's fabulous. And, um, but then of course had, had the mis miscarriage. Um, and so I don't know if you're comfortable kind of going, going into it, but I mean, so like your betas were normal. I mean, mis miscarriages are so shocking, right? Cause it's like, oh yeah, things are going. And at 10 weeks, I mean, most people that are 10 weeks feel like they're in the clear at that point. Right. So, you know, a week before we had told my parents, you know, we were actually going to, to meet John, my husband's family that day, we were leaving to go down to Florida to tell them. And so I really kind of let myself relax. Um, and I had a little bit of spotting, which of course I immediately called and was like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and they're like, it's fine. Come in for an ultrasound. This happens. It's normal. And the ultrasound showed that there was no heartbeat. So it was, wow. it was very shocking. And, um, you kind of don't think it's going to happen to you. No, um, and I really didn't know any friends, uh, that had gone through, I mean, I hadn't met our group of infertility sisters as i like to call them yet so i really didn't know anybody that had gone through anything like that so was this in because okay i'm trying to do the timeline did you do like lectures all for five months is that what you said yeah it was about five cycles um so this actually happened in i guess i started lectures in may of 2020 and then this happened um in may of 2021 okay so, yeah so right before, almost about a year later yeah okay wow um, 
so yeah, we had, it had been almost a year of, of trying and so was like, oh, finally, you know, it worked. And then, you know, you have that sort of letdown, but I still wasn't, I guess that concerned about my body really. I, I, I thought, okay, well I can get pregnant again. I've well, gotten pregnant once I can get worked. pregnant again. That and so worked. your body ovulated, like you got pregnant. So right. like, like you can do this again. Right. Um, and of course the, the grief that's associated with miscarriage, I know y'all, you know, you've experienced it, Kat, I know you've experienced, so I'm working through all that, but I'm just trying to pull at any optimistic string I can find. And that was what I found. Okay. I could, I can get pregnant. I'll get pregnant again. And Amanda, I think that was similar to you, right? Because your miscarriage was, it was a little later as well. Yeah. So I, the baby stopped growing at eight weeks. Um, and we did see a heartbeat, which is like, I yeah. mean, usually when you see the heartbeat, then like it goes down to, I think it's like, I don't even know, like 20% or something that it happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had, we had seen, and because I was at the clinic, then we did the six week, the eight week, and this was supposed to be my first appointment at the OB was, was yes. around uh, that time. Yeah. Um, so I really thought things were, were good. Um, so we did, what we ended up doing was, you know, they said it's probably chromosomal. I, I had a DNC. Um, and then I, that was in May. And by July, I decided to start the IVF process. Um, and the original um, reason for doing that was so that we could test the embryos. The assumption was it was a chromosomal issue that caused the miscarriage. So now let's, you know, see what we can get. We'll test the embryos and then maybe we can avoid this happening again. Yeah. Um, and so I, I started IVF and I never really understood how invasive and um, time consuming IVF is. I mean, it's really like a second job. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it takes over your entire life and, and my husband's life. Cause you know, he was there for um, every shot and almost every appointment. And so it's, it puts your whole life on hold. <laughs> and like, especially I think all three of us are type A, like when you're such a planner and like IVF, you just can't plan as much as it is planned. There's so many delays and like, and so many decisions you have to make. You're like, Oh gosh, I got to decide if I want genetic testing. I got to decide this and right. that. It's like, what do I want to do with the, with embryos where, you know, how many do I want to transfer? And they want you to answer those questions, not when it's happening, but oh, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, which I understand why they do that, but it is a lot to think about. I even remember the question up front about like, if your spouse dies or like if I were divorced, you, there's a whole, yeah, paragraph on what you do if you divorce. And then there's like a whole paragraph on like, if one of you die. Right. And, and my husband and I were, and I'm you too, Kat, I think we got married around the same time. Um, we're newlyweds. So it's kind of like get married, pandemic infertility so um i tell john if we can get through this we can get through just right. thing because the past yeah. few yeah. years have been rough um so we we did we did our first round of I, ivf and like you said they tell you about 48 hours before when your egg retrieval is going to be so that literally kills me because i'm like you said a planner i have my calendar out and i'm trying to figure everything out um and so we ended up getting 15 eggs oh, wow. um which resulted in a, four embryos um and then we sent them off for testing but i just i just felt good about it um you know i'm like okay we're 
Yeah, it's great. Babies, they're going to be fine, right? Yeah. This said that if I got pregnant again, you know, that the chromosomal issues wouldn't really be happening. And so I really just thought, okay, we've got four embryos. We can complete our family, you know, my dream family and sort of, again, let my guard down. Um, and I was about to go get a massage and I got the call from um, the fertility clinic and they were like three of the four are abnormal. And I, that just sort of blew, blew me away. Um, and that's really when my unexplained infertility came in. Um, you know, three of those were chromosomally abnormal, um, all over the map, all different. So it wasn't a genetic. I was going to ask if it was like one chromosome, they were all missing or was it all different? No, they were all different. Um, you know, it wasn't like this genetic thing. Um, uh, one of the chromosomes he said was, was missing even one of their, the sex chromosomes. My husband had given a Y, but I hadn't given, there was no X chromosome. Um, I've never heard of that. That's so interesting. Wow. Yeah. And he, he was like, well, then of course the, the doctors are very, you know, medical. And he's like, this is very interesting to look at. And I'm just sitting there going, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have one shot at a baby here and I'm, and I'm about to go lay on a massage table and I'm supposed to relax. So literally like the most unrelaxing massage ever. <laughs> you still went? Right. Is that good for you? <laughs> well, I was literally, yeah. I was like, well, what am I going to do? This might help. Might as well. I'm, <laughs> I'm laying on the massage table and I'm just thinking, okay, I need to call and tell my husband, how am I going to tell him this? You know, oh. like, how are we going to go through? Because now it was like something's not, it was used to be something was not working right. And now it became something's wrong. And the added pressure of having one. Right. Because especially like when you find that out, the egg retrieval is so raw and real. And you're like, I don't want to have to do that again. I don't want to have to do that yeah. again. And you get the one and you're like, I'm going to have to do it again. Right. And, and I'm kind of already, I even went so far as to think, should I do back-to-back -back egg retrievals? And I literally thought about it for 30 seconds. I was like, no way. And <laughs> No way. I can't do that. I, just, I did. It was not fun. I don't recommend. <laughs> it's, it's such a taxing process emotionally and physically. Um, especially if like, like I said, if you're working a full-time job at the same time, it's just. Yeah. Um, Amanda, I don't know how you did it because that's actually how I ended up pregnant was I was too scared to do it again. And so I pushed, I was supposed to do it in January of this year. And I was like, you know what? I, I just can't mentally. And then I was going to do it in February and I got pregnant. <laughs> I honestly, just, I feel like I just want to cat. I was just like on that train. And I think so many people can relate to that. Like once you jump on the like fertility train, the IVF train or whatever it may be, like you don't, if you get off of it, you're like, I don't know if I can get back on, get back so on really it. Just like going, I'm like, I'm just going to keep going until I get a baby. We're not going to stop. I'm going to keep riding this train. And it is. And yeah. yeah. And for Amanda, you didn't have the transfer, right? So you no. were just like, okay. And so for like, I mean, yeah, and I they were all like, came back abnormal. So I'm like, oh, we're going right in. We have nothing to transfer. So let's just start over. Let's do it again. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you leave the massage. And <laughs> <laughs> right. Feeling not relaxed. And I just said, okay, I'm, you know, I'm just going to be positive. You know, we're going to be positive. We're going to go into this transfer and it's going to be a beautiful experience and this is, you know, we're going to pray and everything's going to be okay. And I didn't want negativity. I didn't want to even think about, you know, plan B out loud. Yeah. So please talk about it with, with my spouse and, you know, my family, my mom really 
Um, so I didn't talk to anybody about plan B, but in my head, I'm like plan B, plan C, plan D, what are we going to do if this doesn't work? Um, and the transfer didn't work. Um, so when, when I, you know, found out, I, I kind of had a feeling after the transfer for, for whatever reason, the, the perfect embryo, you know, they, they tell you, they grade them and they, all of that, the perfect embryo didn't, didn't stick around. Um, and then plan B went into action and plan B for me was let's do another egg retrieval. So I just immediately started another cycle of IVF, which I don't, like you said, um, Amanda, I just don't, I don't recommend <laughs> if, if I could go back, I wouldn't change anything now because obviously I'm, I'm pregnant and okay. I'm feeling yeah. good and she's healthy, yeah. but I never stopped for two years. It was just, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And I just, I think that has a lot to do with my personality, you know, like I want to control everything. Um, and what I can control is continuing this. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was not healthy mentally at all. And I think like with IVF for me, like that is my personality too. But like, even on a bigger scale, like you said, you got married at 30. So you and I both were in our thirties trying to do mm -hmm. this. And it's like, if we take a break, it's just going to delay the end goal further and further and further down right. the line. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and so we did it. We did another round of IVF, you know, nine eggs, four embryos, three of the four are abnormal. So I, I literally was right back in the same, wow. you know, deja vu I didn't know that. Or position. If I, did, I didn't even put it together. Did they change? Did they change like your protocol or like anything? Um, they, I think they, they put me on metformin, um, to, to enhance the egg quality because the, the embryos were all over the map with different, you know, chromosomal issues. Um, I said, Oh, did I party too hard in college? Like, did I do this to myself? Um, <laughs> and he was quick to say, no, this, this is something that we see that is not just environmental. He, he, he said, I have a feeling that you were born with some of these egg quality issues. Um, and of course you just don't know that until you get deep in sort of into this whole entire infertility world, but you don't know what your egg quality is. I mean, you, we can look up AMH with a blood test, but you really don't know those things. And I think with people that don't even go through infertility, don't even know it's a, an, a possibility that your eggs right. be quote unquote poor or of poor quality. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why would you think exactly. that? Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, none at all. Um, and so I, actually, Kat, that's kind of where you came in for me. Um, we decided on the second round of um, IVF to do the ERA, to do the endometrial biopsy, um, which is endometrial receptivity analysis. Is that what that stands for? All yeah. these um, acronyms, we just throw them out there in the infertility world. And my, you know, I, my friends are like, okay, what does that mean? You can't yeah. just say these things. Um, so basically we went in and we did a biopsy of, you go through the whole entire process, just like you would do a transfer. So you get to the quote unquote transfer day, but you're not actually transferring. You do all the meds, you do the PIO, you know, and, and it sucks because <laughs> you're not going to get a baby out of it. But, um, we did the endometrial biopsy and it came back pre-receptive. And so that made, I was like, Oh, knowledge, Ooh, more knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. like now more answers. So I need more progesterone. I need to take more of these shots. And so that's what we did. And, and the second transfer, um, 
the second transfer worked. So here I am. So, and, and we don't have any other embryos left over. And so, and of course, people love to ask questions that are not, you don't really want to be asked. Like, are you going to have another one? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I know that's, that's something that I feel like just even being pregnant, like after loss or after infertility, people are like, you're going to have another one. And you're like, you have, you have no, no idea how long it just took me to, to even to get, get this here. Like, yes. I'm just waiting for it, for the baby to come out and breathe. Like, I, I don't right. know. Seriously though. Or, and, and you really don't, they don't understand, you know, egg quality issues. So they're like, oh, I know a friend that this happened and I know a friend that this happened. And I'm like, yeah, well, according to the math, for me, that, that we have a 75% chance, you know, six out of eight embryos were not. The worst is like, now that you're pregnant, you'll be able to get pregnant easy next time. Or I get that all the time. They're like, yeah, you're going to just get pregnant now that you have like all your adopted embryos, Ben's here, like you'll just get pregnant naturally. And I'm like, yeah. okay, in theory, cool. that sounds great. But like, don't keep adding that like, pressure right. and my hopes and like all like it's just too much like let's not and and infertility is a sort of we only think about the effects of it within our childbearing years but just i'm still have infertility even as i move forward after having this baby you're not cured of infertility once you finally get pregnant and once you finally have a baby so i think that's hard for people to understand oh, um sure. and that's just the stigma around it too you know infertility is an elective medical you know thing that you can do but it sure as hell doesn't feel elective when you're going through it you know it's, it's no, life or death um i think what you just said caroline is so showing of even the three of us just sitting here talking today like yeah. amanda you went through years of this and you have your son and like you know you and i caroline are in our second trimester of pregnancy and we're spending our saturday talking about infertility like we're right. still so involved in it even oh. though we've we, we, you know, man is on the other side. You and I are almost there. Right there. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's so, it's so true. It, 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 yeah, it really is. And, and it's important to, it was be important for me to say that I feel so privileged to even be able to get this type of medical care and, and to have access to, you know, the facility clinics and the reproductive endocrinologists and health insurance. And most people do pay out of pocket, but even the fact that I can, you know, afford it. And so it's such a privilege that is denied to so many other, you know, women. Um, I, I wish we could get to the point where this would be standard medical care. Um, and, and that's, you know, a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. But, yeah. It's, um, but like I, so being connected to the, the infertility community, there's a lot of women from Canada that have like mm -hmm. either followed our podcast or have reached out to me individually and watching like they have to wait and even i have a, actually i have a friend um it's my husband's friend and his wife and him are in england and like in london it's like a nine-month wait list just to go to the consultation for your appointment yeah. and even then it's like oh no 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 you don't just like go do your hysteroscopy and you get in like you get in the next month it's a it's not the same and right. america by no means has amazing health care but like at least we have the opportunity to go pr the private route and you know control the timeline yeah. very very and we live in I, I know you're in charlotte but um i'm assuming it's the same but in charleston you know we've got three clinics to, to pick from and so that's wonderful um and so and i'm and i'm thankful for all that i'm also thankful 
with the doctors that I ended up with for listening to me. Cause I know a lot of women do not feel like they're listened to something's wrong. I want, and mine also continually listen to everything that, that I needed and wanted to do. So that's also something that all these ducks have to line up for you to sort of get to where you are. Um, and I'm thankful for that. Um, and I'm thankful for the privilege to have it. So, so let's go back if you don't mind 21 sure. weeks. <laughs> so, yeah. you did, so, okay. All right. So now we're on to the like pregnancy after loss. So right. go in for beta day. Right. Um, I tested early. Um, <laughs> How many days? That was going to be my first question. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, day five immediately tested. Um, and I'm in there in the bathroom and there's literally like, I thought it was a hallucination, just the faintest little second line. And I'm pretty sure I, you know, I'm in this chat room with a bunch of women going through infertility. Many of them I've never met. And so I take a picture of it and I send it to them, you know, and I'm like, tell me, do you see it? Am I crazy? Do you see it? Is it there? Like, I see it. And so <laughs> my husband, was like, don't show it to me. I don't want to know until the blood test. <laughs> oh my, my husband. Aww. Yeah, I have, I have full PTSD from the reading those lines. Like I yeah. really, really do. And especially because I've had chemicals. So then I'm like, my husband won't even like freaking look at it now. And he, right. well, I mean, in the past, he was like, nope, I need you to go get the, the beta. I don't know. I don't know if that's a line. Right, exactly. Um, so I tested every single day leading up to the, the beta. Um, and, and then it was confirmed and then it doubled. And so that was wonderful and great. And went in for the first scan and everything looked good. Um, and then I had a, uh, ended up having five weeks, six days, just this, um, massive bleed. And I was like, I, I told my husband, I think this is over. Um, you know, didn't stick. Um, and so when I went in, um, my mom was actually with me and he's going, you know, doing the great transvaginal ultrasound that you've had a million of that you get used to oh. <laughs> through IVF. Well, Caroline, I remember just to, before you say the outcome, like I remember in the, in the group message, you said, guys, I just miscarried. I'm going oh, yeah. to it, it was very, it was not spotting. It was very traumatic. I mean, it was, it, it was everything. I thought, you know, that was inside of me, I, the lining, everything. I just, and, and at five and a half weeks, over. you're like, what else is there? Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't know. Like, I know you're about to say, um, for your outcome, but like, I know for us with Ben, I ha also had like a huge bleed and then I ended up bleeding a lot of my first trimester, but right. it, I mean, I was like literally, so we live with my in-laws right now and I was on the floor screaming, crying to the point. Cause I've obviously having a miscarriage prior, like I was like, it's, I was screaming on top of my lungs. It's happening again, sobbing. My mother-in-law comes running in. I mean, so like, it is so traumatic. I was convinced, convinced. Yes. I was totally, totally convinced. Um, and so I, I ended up going to, you know, to the doctor, back to the clinic and they gave me a, a scan and they said, this is about as early as you're ever going to see a heartbeat. And I was like, what? What's happening? Yeah. Um, and so, and they have no idea, you know, where that clotting came from, where that blood came from. And then I had another bleed at 10 weeks and went to the, you know, the um, emergency room for that one. So in my first trimester, even with this pregnancy, we had, you know, those two threatened abortions, which was 
it's you, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop constantly always always waiting for the other shoe to drop um i think when you've had a loss too you're like well i know because what you said in the beginning you don't ever think it's going to happen to you well then it's happened to you and so you're like oh this could totally happen this is happening to me it's yeah, not that right. it could this is i'm not person. you like automatically think then it's happening like it's the opposite yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. i was i'm pretty much convinced that if it can happen to someone it will happen to me right me so and that's how i feel same thing with oh the embryos are going to come back fine. I mean, they're already here. Well, actually, you've got you know bad eggs or you know whatever you want to call it. You know egg qual egg quality issues. Well, the transfer has to work. IVF has to work, right? Mm -hmm. Transfer failed. So I was just so used to preparing myself for negatives that the idea that a positive, normal doctor's appointment could ever happen was not something that was in my wildest imagination you just sort of constantly wait for for the other shoe to drop um so and, and I've, I've kind of you know oh i'm in second trimester yay i'm so excited i make the countdown to out of first trimester but even then it was like okay well let me get get me to the anatomy scan i mean sure everything's okay at the anatomy scan and then get me to third trimester and now i'm waiting to feel her kick right because I, I really haven't yet and so it's always just waiting for the for the next thing hoping I've gotten so many yeah i've gotten so many dms and caroline i think you did a really you did something smart so like i share stuff on my personal instagram caroline created uh instagram for sharing all things pregnancy and i think that came from a place of how different it was for you to see that you know when you were right. in your current state um what is that tag handle so that people i don't think i'm gonna say it right it's mini uh, mini merit that's my last name mini merit it's it's me to mini merit for a while <laughs> yeah um <laughs> super cute but what i was gonna say is i get all these dms and people are like you know you just are reminding me to just like be carefree and celebrate the pregnancy even though i had a miscarriage and i'm like okay i can might be able to post that like the anatomy scan went great but like if you guys really think that i'm just like over here she's gonna be here on october 1st and that's that like amanda knows i'm terrified that i'm gonna now be in the stillborn category like it's oh yeah it's oh, yeah. never ending I, I, if i sleep on my back that increases so the rate of stillborn, you know, I'm Googling and, you know, I found out that I have a 1% um, of us have a, um, a single umbilical artery. So I'm Googling that every other day, even though I've been told you're fine, the baby's fine. So it's, um, it's always something. And, and like you said, I did create, I like to kind of compartmentalize things. So I did create that other space. Um, a lot of times just for other people, you know, we, have this community and one of the best things that i ever did was create boundaries like i'm gonna mute somebody i'm gonna unfollow an account i'm gonna if it doesn't you know help my mental state through this so oh, yeah. um, and like i encourage everybody to do that it's it's not um selfish of you to take care of yourself but you know, no, i did it I baby did it. shower if you need to like do, you know do the things to take care of yourself um so that yeah, I did it. And I think, and I think all three of us could maybe speak to this, but like, even now, like I found myself yet, like yesterday, or maybe it was even this morning, like wanting to post just like an Instagram story with my bump. And it's like, I feel so much guilt doing yep. that. But then on the, because I've been on the other side of it, like I can tell you like seven people that did that when I was going through infertility and it wrecked my whole day. So right. I'm like, it doesn't serve me that much to do that. But then on the other hand, you're like, 
this could be the only time in my life that I ever get this experience. This I'm might be my only pregnancy. A hundred percent and the guilt that's associated with it um, is, and, and then I feel your body's changing throughout this, right? So pregnancy's hard on its own, regardless of how you got here. So your body's changing and I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm frustrated with how my arms look or this look, you know, normal thoughts. And I'm like, oh, how dare you think that? Yeah. Are you, you know, you work so hard to get here. And, and so you're constantly analyzing your emotions and your thoughts and what you're putting out there. And so it's just well, a cycle. That's even like, and I know I even find myself doing this now is that like, okay, well, when I was going, obviously going through everything, even pregnant and someone would complain about like their newborn or like they didn't get much sleep or whatever it may be. I would be like, I know, like, I mean, I would like vent to Chris and I'd be like, they're being so ridiculous. Like I would get angry. I'd be like, they have a baby. Why are you not like just grateful? You don't need to complain about it. But now it's funny, obviously being on the other side of it, that like I try and catch myself and you're like so much more conscious of it. I feel like right. that, and same thing, Kat, you were like, I don't know if I should like post this, but like it is real life of what you're going through in that moment. So I think like you're saying, like having those boundaries of, I don't know, it just is, it's still, it doesn't go away. Like it's hard because mm -hmm. like even this morning, like I posted three stories of Ben, but even still in the back of my head, I remember, like I literally was like, oh, should I post like three in a row? Like what if someone is following me right now and all they want is a baby and like, I'm just like a constant reminder of what they don't have. So like it literally is still there and it's so crazy how it just does not go away. I yeah. think it's it's best to, to, and obviously I have to practice what I preach, but it's best to show up with authenticity. You wanted to post three stories of your beautiful son, right? You show up with authenticity, give yourself some grace. And then you you also have to sort of, rely on other people to also protect themselves and yeah. I remember saying that to myself you know you can exist in a in a place where you're happy for someone but you're also jealous of the fact that you know they, they got pregnant easy yeah. but it's my job to to maybe I need to mute that if I'm feeling mm. their job to cater to me it's my job to sort of set those boundaries so that I can allow someone to be their authentic self so, yeah, I love, I love that. that. I, I feel like we're going off on a tangent, but this is actually really awesome dialogue. I feel like I know that when I can just remember, and I keep using this in my current situation, like I was dying to get engaged. Like I got engaged at 28, which is fine, but like some people get engaged earlier. I'd see people, I worked at an OBGYN office, so I'd always mm -hmm. see the husband and the wife. And I was like, wow, they have like they have a miss in front of their name or they, you know, it says like they're married and that's their husband. And I just would be so jealous. And when other people would get engaged, I'd be like, oh, that's not, you know, why isn't it my turn? <laughs> yeah. and when I got engaged, I wanted all these people to celebrate with me, but I had been so hesitant to celebrate with them. So like, it kind of just goes with everything in life. Then it was like yeah. the wedding and then it was like the honeymoon and then it's the baby and, and mm -hmm. the next thing. And so I try to remember sometimes like it, things happen in the right time and you know it's not my time but I don't want to not celebrate for them either oh, like right. I know I'm gonna have a baby shower in a couple months and it was so difficult for me but I, what what you know Caroline you're saying show up authentic I told my friend Mandy I was like I'm gonna come I might last three minutes but I'm gonna right. come cry but it's this is I'm really this is really hard for me and it has nothing to do with me being happy for you I literally walked in there looked at everything, put the gift down, turn around and left. Yeah. Right. And, and true friends will understand. Absolutely. I think that's another thing about informing people, you know, I, we're both, all three of us are very open and 
and being open about how I feel and what I've been going through has obviously sometimes it brings on comments you don't want to hear right because you're opening yourself up but more often than not I have been met with support mm -hmm. and and understanding and rather than just not showing up saying like you said this is hard for me and I love you but it, you know I want to support you but right now I've really got to you know take care of myself yeah. I think when you inform people um, of what's going on you um, it, it ends up being so much better in the long run. Same thing with all my coworkers at work. You know, I'm a teacher and I, and I went through a whole round of IVF while I was teaching. And so um, I just told my coworkers, I told my boss, I'm going in for an endometrial biopsy. You know, that's what I'm doing today when I'm not here. And um, maybe sometimes it's too much information, but more often than not, it's informing people of what's going on in behind the scenes so that they can support me the best way they can. So I found that as well. Yeah. So I feel like we kind of stopped at the 10 weeks and I know you had name dropped a few other things, but really after 10 weeks, I mean, you've still not had an uneventful pregnancy. I mean, you've still had some crazy kind of stuff pop up, right? Um, well, yeah, besides the single umbilical artery, I went into, um, I couldn't help it. You know, you, you're used to seeing, getting scans every week when you go through IVF or transfer. And so once I was a regular pregnant patient, um, they're like, okay, see you in five weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way I can wait that long. Um, so I actually went into, and then you know, some, some people recommend this, some people don't, but I went into it, I paid for one of the, the ultrasounds. Um, and Kat, I think you've been there too, you know, so you can, it's just supposed to be sort of, you can hear the heartbeat, you can see your baby, they're not supposed to diagnose anything. Um, and when she got to the umbilical cord, this was at 16 weeks, she said, have you ever been told you have a, you know, single umbilical artery, um, which most umbilical cords have two arteries, one vein. Um, and I said, no, what is that? And she said, don't Google it. So I promptly Googled it <laughs> and right. And it can, it, it can be a sign of, you know, the, the heart and the kidneys are forming at the same time that the umbilical cord is. So a lot of times um, there are, there are heart defects that go along with it. A lot of times there'll be babies born with, you know, one kidney or, um, and so I was losing my mind and I, and I called my OB and she said, okay, we're going to send you to a maternal fetal medicine doctor. Um, I drove an hour out of town to get to them um, just because that was the closest appointment time. I didn't want to wait. Um, and everything was fine. Um, everything looked fine. I was like, just tell me he has, you know, she has two kidneys. So we saw the two kidneys. We saw the four chambers of the heart. It was so great. Um, and then uh, he goes, but you do have an extra vein in your, in her heart. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's just one thing after the other. Both these are not a fetal anomalies, not defects, but it's, it's still, you assume that once you get pregnant and once you get to the second trimester and you assume that all women just sort of say, oh, everything looks great. See you in two weeks. Oh, everything's fine. See you in two weeks. And it's, it's a literally a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, that's something I didn't realize. Like even say somebody that doesn't go through infertility, doesn't go through loss, they still have that nine month experience. Oh of yeah. And, downs, and I was, I had blinders on to that for sure. Because I was like, yeah. well, they easily got pregnant. And I, I ended up talking to two of my friends who didn't have infertility issues who were like, oh, I had to go to a maternal fetal medicine or I had to come back for a second 
anatomy scan because they couldn't see certain heart chambers. And so all women are going through, exactly, I totally put blinders onto that. Um, I just assumed that once people got pregnant and, and if they had had healthy babies, the pregnancy was easy. Yeah. And that's not at all the case. Um, but, but like I said, it's, things are fine now. I've, I've calmed down, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, you so, still have to go to the like maternal fetal anymore, or are you like graduating? So because of the, I'm classified as high risk because of the umbilical, um, the single umbilical artery. So I'll go back every four weeks um, okay. and just yeah. measure growth and, and things like that. Um, okay, being high, really I was good. high risk and yeah. high risk has its perks because I, know, I literally I like, the scans. like the three yeah. ultrasounds every two weeks. It was amazing. Oh, I literally, so nice. just like, and then you just get to watch like them grow. And so yes. serious high risk is like, you're constantly going to the doctor, which is nice. So you like have that. Yeah reassurance that everything's fine. I, I definitely need the constant reassurance. Yeah. Sure. It keeps think, me off Google. Yeah, I think Carolyn <laughs> yeah. and I are at the same MFM, but like I went to, and I didn't know I was going to be high risk, but they just sent me there for my anatomy scan. And mm -hmm. they're like, well, because of all your losses and the hyperemesis, we'll see you every four weeks. And then my OB see me every four weeks, but it's there, it's off by two weeks. Exactly. So right. I go to the doctor every <laughs> every two weeks I'm like every time I leave MFM I think they're gonna just like sign me off and they're like we'll see you in four weeks I'm like oh but you get to see the baby so correct yes absolutely so um it's a journey I mean women I tell friends my friends all the time you know infertility or not but women are freaking strong superheroes mothers are you know insanely courageous and so um it definitely feels awesome to be a part of the community that we're in um it yeah <laughs> and i just love the way that social media is moving in like with the fertility world because like 10 years ago this did not happen like women did not right. have the community so it is incredible is where we're at now did you guys see it was either yesterday or today katrina scott was the very first pregnant woman to ever be it like ever be featured in a sports illustrated magazine right incredible and she, while she was rookie of the year she was going through ivf and so that's just it's awesome <laughs> it is well i was gonna ask you if there was anything else you wanted to like share with the audience but you really kind of just closed it up so beautifully just yeah. then <laughs> um and i think we touched on a good good portion of your story i mean oh, i know yeah. i We've never met in person, have we? No, um, my, my good friend Sarah Sarah Richards Worrell knew you. Yeah. I had just ha gone through my loss, and she said, "You've got to follow this Instagram account. I just know that you will resonate." And like you said, social media has totally brought me this community that I literally went through both rounds of my IVF, a failed transfer, all of these this stuff with pregnancy, with this group of thirty or thirty five women. Mm -hmm. um, formed here you know in the low country and i don't know what i would do without y'all and it's all because someone said hey follow this instagram account so it was it's awesome so i'm really thankful that's awesome i can you believe we have almost 60 people in that group now and like i no i can't we're obviously removed from it just a little bit because we're in like our subgroup but i mean mm -hmm. it is it's crazy social media and and just podcasts and talking about it and all that stuff. So before I let you go, will you spell out your tag so people can follow you at? And I know you just kind of started it, but it's Minnie. Minnie, M-I-N-I, -I, Merit, 
M-E-R-R-I-T-T. Perfect. And we will put that in the show notes too. All right, uh, thank you. Well, thanks so much, Caroline. <laughs>